the undraftedfreeagent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh! Welcome, UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast. I'm your host, Chris McKee. Another special edition today with an exclusive interview with Wagner head coach Bashir Mason. Wagner, the number one team in the Northeast Conference right now. They're 19-3, and they head into a matchup tonight against Fairleigh Dickinson. I think they should get through that one comfortably before a season-ending matchup with Bryant, who is the number two team in the conference. So... Pretty tough battle ahead. They look to be the favorite in the NEC heading into the conference tournament and one of the teams I expect to see in March Madness. And so wanted to reach out to Bashir and, and have a conversation with him. Of course, mentioned, you know, before I worked in music, I was an agent, represented the Wu-Tang Clan, who are from Staten Island, the Kings of Staten Island, Wagner College, of course, in Staten Island. So we chat a little Wu-Tang as well. The audio on this one, not the greatest. Bashir's connection, we did it via Zoom, but... Uh, I think he's a quiet guy as is, and then the audio connection, not the best, but I did what I could to try and mess with it and uh, try to make it a little bit more audible for you guys. So here it is, my interview with Wagner head coach Bashir Mason. So he's been a head coach at Wagner for 10 years, starting back in 2012, winning three regular season conference titles. In that time, he's been named the NEC Coach of the Year three times, including last year. He played four seasons as a point guard at Drexel, where he was the first time four-time member of the CAA All-Defensive Team, also became the first freshman in league history to be named Defensive Player of the Year. I'm joined by Wagner head coach Bashir Mason. Hey, thank you for uh, for having me. And uh, based off of that intro, it sounds like I'm a really defensive-minded coach. That's it. <laughs> so you're 19-3 and three on the season. I mean, what's been working well for you guys right now, including a 14-game winning streak at one point? You know what? I, I think it's just that. Uh, I think we've been able to guard – um, really well and play hard. And uh, I know we got enough talent on the offensive end. Our ball movement's been great. Uh, but the chip that these guys carried on their shoulder from a year ago um, and wanting to come back and respond to, to our earlier uh, exit from the conference tournament, uh, I think that's carried us through. Um, and I think that there's a, a brewing excitement about getting back to that same place. So speaking of growing excitement, when you had that 14-game winning streak, Wagner starting to get some national attention for the first time in a long time. Just how good that feel? How good did that feel for you and your guys to finally be like, hey, you know, maybe we're doing something right here. You know what? That was a great feeling. And uh, you know, us coaches, um, we, we're so serious sometimes, and we want to keep our guys locked in and focused and not worrying about stuff like that. Um, I think we did a good job of really embracing it and enjoying that moment of, of being talked about nationally, um, and not one. And have to come to an end. And, uh, you know, unfortunately it happened, but I made sure that we enjoyed every moment of it. And, um, you know, it was great. So you're 38, is that right? I am. Yeah, I turned 38 so, February 11th. So you've been a head coach for 10 years. I mean, you're starting to feel a little older yet? You know what? Uh, 10 years, uh, 
I, I consider coaching to be dog years. So I'm, I'm aging by seven, um, as you can tell from my receding hairline. But uh, you know what? Uh, I enjoy doing this. Uh, for as hard of a job as it is, these, these guys, they keep me young and um, youthful every day. And uh, it's never a dull moment. So um, I'm enjoying it. So if you could tell your 28-year-old self one thing, as far as a coach, not life, uh, what would this version uh, of a coach tell the 28-year-old you when you first took the job? You know what? I'll keep that simple. Just relax. Um, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, you work hard enough every day. You'll get the results that you want. Uh, you know, the world's not coming to an end if, you know, y'all guys forget to do a shooting drill in practice. So I love your roster. So I first, you know, this year, I mean, obviously I've seen Wagner over the years, but my son and I flicking through earlier in the season and we ended up stumbling on the Bryant game, the overtime win. So we ended up watching that. We were flicking through a couple of games and my son was like, you know what, this, this Wagner team's pretty good. Let's just stick on this game. So I ended up watching that entire game, which is when I sort of jumped on the, the, the Wagner bandwagon this year. So I love your roster. I mean, they're skilled, but they're kind of tough, gritty guys. It reminds me of a team that, could have played in the old big East back in, you know, in the eighties, it was, it's that kind of team. Um, just tell me, you know, what kind of guys are you looking to bring into Wagner? What are some of the key core traits? You're like this, this guy's a Wagner player. Yeah. So our, our mantra is toughness. Um, and, you know, to most, it's just a word, uh, but for us it has special meaning. And um, obviously the core of it is actual toughness. Um, so when we go out on a recruiting trail, uh, not only do we look for talent and skill level and um, those things, because those are important. Uh, we look we look for guys that have uh, those certain characteristics that that make them make up a Wagner basketball player. And at the core of it, it's it's toughness. You know, being able to defend, uh, rebound the ball from from your position, not just bigs but guards as well, um, and just being able to just you know just 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 you know get after it. I, I love guys to get after it and, and play hard and want to compete. Um, and compete to win, not, you know, not compete just to get my points or, uh, you know, that stuff. I, I want guys compete in every possession because every possession matters and they care. Um, and we don't offer a lot of guys, you know, it take us a while to get to, to the table to offer guys because uh, we do a thorough job of really making sure that they'll, they'll fit into the core values that, that we have here at Wagner. So mention, you know, the, the Big East days, that's me, you know, I'm mid forties. That's the basketball I grew up loving. And then, I see the uh, the Michigan Wisconsin game this week, where the kind of the brawl breaks out. It reminded me of, of those days. I mean, I just your thoughts on that whole situation. I've seen a bunch of other coaches chime in. I mean, is there unwritten rules on you know timeouts and this kind of thing? Your your perspective on it? Yeah, I, I think there. I mean, there are unwritten rules about you know scoring uh, the last possession if you're winning. Um, you know, just just taking a turnover. You know, just not trying to embarrass the other team. Um, but, you know, for me and how I go about things and how we go about things in our program, uh, I just talked to you about that level of competition. You know, sometimes things get real nasty in, in, in competition, uh, but it, it's an unspoken rule here. You know, we're competing, we're going hard. When we have a guy hit the floor, um, everybody stop what they're doing. I don't care if you're an injured player, you're on the side. Uh, everybody run over, we sprint over, we help that player up, make sure he's okay. Uh, and then we get back to competing. Um, it's something that we always talk about. Um, I think just as men, you know, to throw a punch, to swing at another guy, um, uh, it's absolutely crossing the line. And 
for me, how I grew up, you talk about the Big East and playing. Uh, when you take a swing at another guy, uh, for me, we can no longer be friends. We could almost no longer coexist. You know, I think every time we see each other, there's always going to be a problem. Uh, so that's sort of the unspoken rule that we have here. We never throw punches because um, then we can no longer coexist. Somebody has to go from that point. We never want to get to that point uh, in our program. So uh, I understand the, you know, the level of competition, the unwritten rules, um, you know, and I can see both sides of it. But, uh, you know, uh, I think once you, uh, you know, once you throw a punch, uh, it's, it's crossing the line of, of competition and competitiveness. So Alex Morales, leading scorer on the team, was at 17.9 points per game, seven and a half rebounds. I mean, I've watched him play a bunch this year, but just what kind of guy is he off the court? You know, Alex, he should be at like 25, 28 points per game, but he's just such a, he's a laid back, cool, uh, relaxed guy. He's such a team guy um, and just a really good dude overall. Um, almost got to rev his engine some days to, to, to kind of force him to be the dominant player that he is. But, um, you know, one of my all-time favorite guys, um, forget the talent. Uh, he's just a special, special person. And he allow us to be as good as we are because um, it, it's, it's an inclusive environment um, from the best player down, I think from the coaches down to the best player. Uh, he don't walk around like, you know, the sunshine and set because he's a good player, um, which now allow everybody, you know, on the team team that feel like they're a part of it um so you know excellent player but even a better personality so I'm up here in the Toronto area um born and raised in the east end in Scarborough which is the east end of the city and you have Jabril Price Noel who was Scarborough born and raised and so uh I've you know I've seen Jabril growing up through you know playing in high school and stuff like that I always got to show love to my Scarborough guys so you got him from Pacific this year so I, I like he didn't play the first half of the season was it eligibility academics injury yeah you know what he was injured I think he played our first uh maybe our first three or four games of the year he got hurt in the Stony Brook game uh this season and uh he was out for a couple of weeks but um, this was a different situation for Jabril. You know, we, we recruited him knowing his skill level, his size, all of those different things. And, you know, he came into an environment, there's no fouls in practice. There's no out of bounds in practice. Um, this is one of the loudest atmospheres, competitive atmospheres he's probably been a part of. Uh, he probably felt like he got dropped off on Mars when he got here. And uh, we slowly started to see him, you know, get accustomed to the culture and how we go about things. And, uh, you know, I saw really good things happen and then he got injured. Um, and now he's been back. And I thought in our last you know, two to three games, he's really start to come on and, and you know, show his confidence and his understanding of exactly what we're doing. And um, I think he's an X factor for us. Uh, I think we know what we're getting out of, you know, the guys we've been getting from all year. And now he's sort of that unknown. And, you know, he's capable of dribble driving, you know, catching and shooting. Um, and making plays for other guys. So uh, just being able to have a dynamic you know, player like him is, is certainly an advantage for us. So I don't know if you're able to comment on it, but did I see that Ramir Moore transferred into you guys? I think I saw something online. Yeah, Ramir Moore's here. Okay, so what, he's eligible for next year? Yeah, he'll, he'll be able so I know Ramir, I did, I do play-by-play -play for Orangeville Prep, which is the number one high school program up here in Canada. And Ramir was over at TRC Academy and he was 
one of my favorite guys in the league, a guy I championed and interviewed a bunch of times. I love him, you know, and he always says to me, you know, I'm a dog, man. So just talk to me about uh, what your hopes are for Ramir moving ahead next year. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're, we're going to lose a, a ton of points, a ton of talent. Um, and I didn't want to replace those guys with freshmen. Uh, so Ramirez, an older guy, been in college for three years. Um, you know, at the height of his career, it was about seven and a half points at the, 11, at the Atlantic 10 level. Um, so, you know, NEC level, uh, we felt like he'd be a double-figure scorer for us, which, again, we needed to add some scoring to the roster. Uh, but at the core of him, what we talked about, he's a dog. Um, he'll fit right into that culture of toughness and uh, defending and getting after it. So he was a perfect fit for us. Yeah, that's a young guy I've been really rooting for. I know for those unfamiliar from the Philadelphia area, but then moved up to the Toronto area to play basketball, which, you know, in my day playing high school hoops to think an American would come to Canada to increase his chances of getting a scholarship was, was just unheard of, but uh, played at St. Joe's and now over at Wagner. And um, I just, you know, after watching you guys this year, I just think, yeah, he fits that mold so perfectly and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does for you guys. So um uh, X, well not the x factor with our uh, ramir but uh i don't know if it's known um his brother-in-law is kyle larry yeah uh so his, his sister's married to kyle and that was also a part of the move to uh to canada he was you know staying with his, his sister and his brother-in-law um and obviously getting that, that the training that he needed uh to, to become a division level talent yeah, Kyle was always at some of the games, saw him in the gym a few times. It was a, always a buzz when Kyle walked in. It was cool. Yeah, but, we're, hoping um, we, we're hoping we can get him here to create that same buzz. I guarantee he'll be, he'll he'll always make an appearance. He's been really supportive of Vermeer, so that's awesome to see. But um, so I mentioned off the top four-time, you know, all-defensive team in the CAA. I mean, who taught you that mindset of, of you know, how to play basketball like that? Uh, you know what? Um, that, that was upbringing, but. I uh, started playing organized basketball when, when I was eight years old. And uh, uh, Donald Copeland Sr. Uh, was my coach at the Jersey City Boys and Girls Club. And uh, he was from that era of when the ball's thrown up, if, uh, if you're not in your guy's jersey, you were coming out of the game. And, uh, you know, we, we practiced that way. And then when we got to the game, I mean, literally, as soon as the ball was thrown up, if he didn't feel like you were in your guy's jersey, he would sub all five guys out um, and just scream at you. You're not ready. You're not ready to play. And uh, you know what? Um, maybe at the time I didn't know what was happening, but I knew one, when that ball was thrown up, I better show him that I'm ready to play if I want to stay in the game. And just those you know, things like that, that, that's always stuck with me. And um you know, I knew I was a really good defender just kind of growing up. That's always sort of been my role. I took pride in it and uh, carried me all the way through my career. So, Bashir, before I worked in the media, I worked in the music business. I was an agent and a concert promoter for over 20 years. And one of the groups I represented that people seem to get excited about is the Wu-Tang Clan. So I was the Wu-Tang Clan's agent for over a decade. Wagner, Staten Island. You know, Wu-Tang, Staten Island, what do you know about the Wu-Tang? Uh, you know, any, any, are you familiar with the music? Are you a fan? Yeah, big time fan. I, I grew up on that uh, era of hip hop, that music. And um, I actually think that uh, Method Man's daughter, I don't know if I should say, I think she's a student here at Wagner, or maybe she graduated within the last year or so. Um, so I haven't run into to any of those guys uh, on campus. Um, the complex I lived in in Jersey a couple years back, I think Ray Quan actually lived there. 
So I did see him a couple of times. We're hanging out at the pool, but I'm a big fan of their music and, um, you know, they mean everything to this island. So if you had to pick one, one guy from the, from the Wu-Tang, who's your, who's your main guy? It would have to be a method man. Um, thought he was a, a great rapper. Uh, he had unbelievable swagger. He always rapped like he was the, you know, the best rapper in the group. And um, it's also good right now to see him on the, uh, the, the Power uh, series and on Showtime, um, doing a really good job with that. So, you know, it's funny, I always tell the story with Method Man and, you know, with Red Man as well, I toured him and, you know, they always kind of play, you know, kind of goofy guys in how high and stuff like that. But when you sit down and chat with them, they are two of the smartest guys I've ever come across anywhere in the music business. And that's why they're in the business for 30 years. I would always tell young artists that it's like, look, man, these guys know how to connect. I'll tell one story. So last day of the tour um, and the promoter up here, you know, got them, you know, something to smoke as, as usual. And uh, it was too much because they were heading over the border. The next day, they said, we can't bring this back. So Method Man pulled me aside. He said, Chris, go out in the crowd and go find some people who, who, who are fans. He says, not just girls. Go get some guys back here and bring them back and, and see if they want to come smoke with Method Man and Red Man. And so I walk around the club and say, hey, you want to go smoke? People are like, what's, are you serious? I'm like, just come. So I tried to find some normal people, brought them back. They, gave, they ended up giving it all to the fans and stuff like that. And these are just guys took pictures, you know, how to smoke with the kids and uh, just understood how to connect with people. And I, and I always try to tell that to a lot of other young artists of, you know, it's important. Don't just take their money and run. Connect with the people, you know? Yeah, yep, it's important. So your first career win as a coach, I kind of had a chuckle at this last night when I was going through notes. November 12, 2012, you beat North Carolina Central 38-36. What kind of game is 38-36? Yeah, you know what? I actually got the uh, the ball right here in my office. We um, <laughs> we were running Dean Smith's uh, The Four Corners. <laughs> Um, in that game, you know what I was, you know, up until maybe four or five years ago, that was one of my most, you know, I, I was really proud to get that win. Not because it was my first win, but it was just a defensive battle, a defensive struggle. And, and we pulled it out. Uh, one of the things I, I, I preach to all my teams, um, we just want to have one more point than the other team. I don't care if it's in the 80s. I don't care if it's in the 20s. Um, just one more point when the clock gets to zero. But um, what's crazy about that game is uh, we jumped out in the first four minutes of that game. We jumped out 12 to two um, and, and finished the game with 38 points, which is, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I remember that game like it was yesterday, man. That was a, that was a, that was an unbelievable game. Incredibly low scoring. And I'm happy we won it that way. I was excited about that. I thought maybe the fire alarm went off or something and they just said, all right, that's it. 38, 36. So Wagner only one appearance in the NCAA tournament in 2003. What would it mean for you and your guys to finally, you know, break through and get in there? You know what, that, that, that was the goal. Once we, we started this year, started this whole thing. Uh, it don't mean everything to this group. Uh, we know how long it hasn't been done, but we've talked about it. Um, we bring it up. We, we, we talk about it often. Uh, we have a picture of that 2003 team uh, inside of our locker room. We got one right outside of my office. Um, I wanted to always be on our guys' mind. It's, um, it's a part of our history. In this group right here, we want to we wanna add to the history um, of Wagner basketball and, and, and getting us on that national stage. And 
uh, this group is not just excited about getting there. Uh, it'd be an honor just to get there. I haven't been there as a player or a coach, uh, but we, we want to get there and, and win some games. So last question, I'm thankful for your time. You know, two games left in the regular season and the conference tournament. What's some of the focus? What's, you know, what's the messaging to your guys? Like, hey, you know, we're almost at the finish line. If we do this, this, and this, so what's going to get us there? Yeah, you know what? Uh, we had that conversation actually today. Um, you know, while we've been great to this point, you know, we, we want to focus on those things um, and also understand the time that we're in. It's late February. Uh, everybody has a knee, uh, shoulder, uh, ankle, a foot. Um, everybody's a little tired. Um, and our mantra is what's going to win it. The, the toughest team the next week, week and a half, that's going to be the team that's going to win this thing. So uh, no matter what's happening, what happened yesterday or prior to, it don't matter. The most detailed teams, the most organized teams, uh, but more importantly, the toughest, the tougher teams are going right now. Uh, so that's our focus moving forward. Cool. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm on the Wagner bandwagon. I'm rooting for you guys. So all the best heading down the stretch. And uh, hopefully we'll see, uh, we'll see you on TV in March. I appreciate that very much. And uh, thank you for your time. The UndraftedFreeAgent.com mid-major podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugans. Dort. Oh, my. Brzdikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzdikas. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh!